come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman. Really told Jack what to do. Let's, That's probably true. Let's be honest. Kubrick's like, I know that somebody. Boy, you do you. Somebody did have to type up all those pages. His secretary. His, His secretary, secretary, because Kubrick wanted it to look like somebody had typed it, so yeah. he just had her type it. I want to make another mean? point on, oh, on on what Mac just said, which is that that wouldn't have been what Jack was typing. That would have been Foley work. So somebody put in the wrong Foley work. Mm. Also true. Yes. Yeah. Um, when Wendy was flipping through the pages, it bothered me that each each page was formatted completely differently. <laughs> like and, and none one of was them single were space. Yeah, none, yeah. Just one of them was like double space. Then you flip and it's single space. And then you flip and it's like paragraph, paragraph. Like I don't know. It didn't look like you were writing one time. One. Some book. of it looked like it was formatted like a screenplay. Yeah. Other parts yeah. was like. Here's a an excerpt from something yeah. else. Yeah, like it wasn't a prose even like poem that had yeah. some weird shape to it. It yeah. wasn't even like here's a few pages of this format. It was literally every single page was yeah. different, mm-hmm. different, different than the one before it. There might have been some duplicates, or duplication type stuff yeah. later but on. But it really bothered me that the pages were numbered. <laughs> how are you going to get that back in order? Exactly. <laughs> um, well, you just follow context from one page to the true. next. That's true. That's true. I really like with this episode. Our listeners can tell which one of us are writers and which yeah. one of us aren't, and the things that it's the degree of sympathy with Jack to a certain <laughs> yeah. point. Like, yeah. like, no, she shouldn't have been looking at that before he said, "Hey, could you take a look exactly. at this?" Exactly. Like, I think this is the episode. It's like, oh yeah, writer, writer, yeah. writer. Yeah. When she walks in the room and he rips that paper out and hides it, and I'm like, "That's me." Yeah, that's <laughs> oh. me too. I'm like, nope, don't no watch one's me looking. Write. It's not ready for you. My, I, we we don't have typewriters anymore, so we don't have to do that. But mine is very much okay. the show desktop button. Well. You, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm the show desktop button, or whoop, there's Chrome pulled up. Yeah. What you looking at, baby? Uh, pornography. The looks. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Furry porn. Why do you ask? I mean, actually, sometimes it is because I get distracted when I'm researching things, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, "How did I get here? What turn did I take that led me to this place?" There were an exceptional number of furries at Lexicon yesterday. Exceptionally large. Like, Stillwater may be the furry capital of Oklahoma. And we're not kink-shaming because we don't do that. Although we acknowledge that it's hard to talk about furries without sounding like we're kink-shaming. I if you think it's the, this is probably the most like this best podcast you could bring that up on. It's true because it does segue <laughs> into the doggy blowjob. Exactly, which the is blowjob. incidentally the first ghost that Shelley sees. It is. Uh, Wendy sees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't attribute meaning to that. It's just no. and that is no one else saw the that is text was from it a the dog book. or a bear. It's a dog. I think it was meant to be a dog, at least. I thought it was a bear. Because in the book, it's a dog. It's a dog. But here's my deal. That mask choice, it has... It's not an open mouth. So, how can you get a blowjob? You just bang your dick on it. Thank you. You're welcome. You cut a hole in this mouth. Kenzie, clearly you push the mask back. No, no that did not happen. illusion. That didn't happen because <laughs> yeah. that, that head is in the crotch yeah. and, and they both turn. It wasn't like go. there was a mask adjustment. back down. I'm just saying. Uh, what does that mean? He's just banging the stick on it, guys. He's just banging the stick on it. Um, <laughs> somebody wants to get a blowjob from a dude in a costume, which that's fine. But how does that relate to the massacre of the Native American? I'm, I'm done. <laughs> the sexual assault rate... In Native Americans, there you go. Okay, mm. we're done. <laughs> I can only think of racist ways to explain it, like skin. That's why I said. That's yeah. why I said sexual assault. That's yeah. So that, that cleared everything. It's all yeah. It's all about that. Um, it's not at we, all about. I just want to. I I know I said this on the video, but I just want to reiterate that one of my notes is purple penises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the carpet in room two thirty seven. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I thought know. it was peacocks. Like, because it was very... Oh, oh you should be summer child. I, know, right? <laughs> I, I guess that's what it's sold as in the catalog. I have a question. Yeah. Did they design this carpet, or did they it buy it? Design. I think they designed it. I really liked it because I love Art Deco-looking stuff. It's and like, purple penis. It was purple and green. <laughs> there was, like, green and some teal stuff going on. Like That I was, was the clam. 
I would assume very little is. Wait, what? <laughs> the clam. I could hear you over Kenzie laughing. Was very little in the hotel is not designed. Okay, because I was like, can I just? Could you? At, like at this time, could you yeah. just look through like, a catalog and buy? <laughs> is it? Was it called Purple Peacocks? Cut the footage of Kubrick on the phone. I need all the purple dicks you have. <laughs> We're making a horror picture. No, that was that was Roger Dunwich. <laughs> Silver can make a hell of a picture, but I need more purple penises. <laughs> Catalog item D43, the purple dicks. Yes, the purple dicks. D42. That's it. D42. I need, I need all of it you have. Are you redoing Whoa. your basement? No, we're no. making a horror movie. Okay, so, Shelley Duvall. Shall we discuss? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Shelley Duvall and Wendy Torrance. Yeah. Torrance? Torrance. 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 She... Okay, show of hands or yeses, since this is an audio format. Who has seen uh, Making the Shining by Vivian Kubrick? I have not. I apparently no, have I it on my Blu-ray. No, 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 no one? No, no. I think I saw part of it. Okay. It's really interesting um, because you get a sense of Kubrick and Shelley Duvall's relationship during the making of the movie. Mm-hmm. He has zero patience for her during the whole process. Like, oh, God, Shelley, what does she want now? That That sort of thing. And... Um, there's even a scene of her kind of, you know, berating her for ruining a take, and there's actually a scene of her having some kind of episode. It's ill-defined in the context of the documentary, but what we know about Shelley Duvall now is that she's suffering from mental illness, how far back that might have gone. The obvious takeaway is that she was probably struggling with mental illness for a large portion of her life, and Kubrick was like, nah, I don't care about that. Yeah. And that's bad. <laughs> I feel like I needed to add that. <laughs> she is one of the people on the list. I will occasionally go on a rant on if you are hiring a professional actor to do a job, maybe just let them act. Yeah. Don't don't abuse them. Don't do mental weirdness to them. Just let them do their fucking job. Right. And yeah, I, you hired them. Right. It, it, it seems less a sin of commission as opposed to a sin of omission from Kubrick in this in this context. You think so? Because I think he, he is what you might want to say abusive to almost every actor. He goes through hundreds and hundreds of takes of every shot and then picks take six. I read that they did 127 yeah. takes of the baseball bat scene. Yeah. And then when I watched the film, I'm like, that's a long scene. That is yeah. not a short scene. That is really long. And I bet all the money I have that he picked... Not that final one. Mm-hmm. He picked something early on. It just makes you wonder what happened in take 127. Then he's like, eh, I got enough. They print it, we're done. Yeah. Um, and see, that's my that scene right there for knowing how many takes they did and about her, her, her mental issues that she was going through and just Kubrick's abuse, regardless of actors, that I was fucking done with this movie. That I don't think that's cool. Because we're literally watching yeah. someone get... Verbally abused for it, art, and I—I I mean, right. I'm fine. I'm fine being suffering for your art, sure. as long as it's your choice. If you're suffering for someone else's art and you're not cool with it, fuck you. And the most interesting thing—I don't know why I'm very angry as I'm right. telling this to you, Donna. I'm sorry. The most interesting thing <laughs> about is, do it. I think Wendy, on the whole, is probably the weakest part of the movie. It goes to this this thesis I've been kind of coming up with that if you're abusive in the art, it's not making it better; it's actually mm-hmm. making it worse. We talked about uh, when we talked about Psycho. Uh, uh, Hitchcock not being great in some situations. I think Psycho is his best movie, but he was pretty much on his best behavior throughout that whole yeah. movie. He was awful to Tippi Hedren in The Birds, and I don't think The Birds works. No. And I think, just like with The Shining, I think there's lots of great things, but when it comes to Wendy and Shelley Duvall, yeah. he's being a D-bag, and it's making it's hurting the movie. Yeah. Well, that brings well, me to the question I wanted to ask you, which is, do you think he got the performance from her he wanted? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. Here's the thing. I like Shelley Duvall. Like, I kind of grew up watching her and stuff. And one of my favorite movies when I was younger was this was this movie called Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme. <laughs> oh, Mother Goose was great. Yeah. And she was in that. And I loved her. Like, she was the other main character, wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was the other main character. Like, the guide through Mother Goose Land. And, and so, like... I've seen her be really good in oh, things, sure. yeah. and she is not in this. I am this. very bothered by her portrayal, because Wendy Torrance 
in the book is not a weak character. No, she's not. She's very competent. Um, and really, her only weakness is taking too long to decide this is a problem I need to act on. And understandably so in the book. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She's trying to make it work. So there's yeah. there's a scene where Wendy is running around the hotel, and she's got one arm just flapping around like she doesn't even right. have control of it. And she's carrying this knife, limp-wristed in the other hand, and she's looking around. I'm pantomiming, which the mic is obviously not picking up. But I mean, oh, she's looking around. flapping noises. Like... like <laughs> she's looking at butterflies as she's running, and I'm just like, "What the fuck are you doing? Okay, you're worried about your son. It's exactly what Kubrick says to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the direction. Yeah, he's like, "What the fuck are you doing, Shelley? Everybody's ready. We said ready. You do the do the scene the way I told you to." And I yeah. think I think it's the the weak link in the chain. It's just, I, it's, yeah, it's well, bad. and I think uh, I I did a play in high school. I did a lot of plays in high school, but I did one in particular where there was this line that I was supposed to read, and like it the line was like his hair is so soft and curly, I just want to touch it. It was a fucking stupid line, and like as I'm reading this line, I'm supposed to like swoon into this chair, and. I, like, the director had me read this line a million times. And every time, he was like, no, do it like this. And every time, I was like, I don't fucking hear the difference between what you are telling me to do and what I am doing. And he was like, do it like this. And I'm like, fuck, I did. And it got to the point where on performance night, I was just like, his hair is so soft and curly, I just want to touch it. I don't give a dick about this line. And... Plop into it. Right. Chair. Yeah, like I sat down, I just said it and sat down. Having directed some stuff, you can't really give actors line readings like that. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't work. And you, you and I talked about this at one point. Yeah. Like I, in, in the radio show I do, I gave myself the comic relief role because I knew those lines had to have a certain way. And I, right. could, I could, the connection between saying it and my vision of it is going to be much shorter between my brain and my mouth than, say, my brain to my mouth to your mouth, to your brain, back to your mouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so Kubrick being so exacting, that's where it kind of unravels, is mm-hmm. that he has no flexibility for an actor bringing something to, inter- it. to it, unless it's such a strong, undeniable personality like Nicholson. Well, and I think that I think that part of this comes down to like Nicholson is Jack Nicholson, yeah. and not to get all well. I mean, everything is political, so fuck you. Yeah. Um, but like, he's he's a white dude. Yeah. Like he gets to go into every situation, being like, "I'm fucking Jack Nicholson. You hired me. Right. You know what you're getting." Whereas Shelley Duvall, who is struggling with mental illness, is going into this situation, and I mean, you can see it throughout yeah. this movie. Like even at the beginning. Like, when she's delivering that speech about, like, it was purely an accident, I think that's probably the best, her best scene in the movie. I agree. Because she looks like she is just barely not shaking yeah. throughout mm-hmm. it. Like, her voice feels like it's about to break at any second. And I feel like that's probably, and, like, the... Yeah. I think she was at, even at a point in her life when she was particularly stressed, too. I think she had just broken up with Paul Simon. Mm-hmm. And, and was in an emotionally... Yeah, she and Paul Simon were together for a while. No, I'm just trying to figure okay. out... How many actresses did Paul Simon date? Because he's also dating Carrie Fisher about that time, too. Yeah. That was one of the times that they were on again, off again, maybe married. So I'm just kind of like... Polly Boy got around. I'm just like... It was the well, 70s. I'm just... I'm just I'm sorry, yeah, any mentally ill woman would do. <laughs> uh, Shelley Duvall and Paul Simon were together for several years. Like, they were... So... Yeah, but I, I think it's... I think, actually, Carrie Fisher may have came in right after Shelley Duvall. I know. It was just yeah. one of those. I was like... Wait a second! I just I had to. Paul Simon didn't need to work, worry about what to do on a Saturday night ever. No, apparently not. <laughs> Ryan, what have you got? So one thing to think about in the context of the abuse of Shelley Duvall is I feel like this happens in in or extraordinarily more frequently to female actors than male. Sure. Oh yeah. Ding. And I think it's absolutely based on the idea that like male directors don't believe women can act, so they just yeah. abuse them sometimes instead of. Trying to, try to, to get do their job, like Adrian yeah. said. Yeah. yeah, you don't hear stories about people turning on cold water on a male actor to get him to scream right. That you didn't don't. happen in Psycho. True, yeah, yeah. but you but still the, don't the, hear the about it. it. Yes, the it's, myth is there. Yeah, you don't hear that. You don't hear, you know, Kubrick wouldn't have done, wouldn't have berated Jack the way that he, he does. The, that's, that may be, in honesty, more of a power dynamic than a, than a gender thing. Because I'm sure he was probably... Because, I mean, obviously he was emotionally manipulating Danny Lloyd. 
Yeah. And yeah. and for other actors like Malcolm McDowell, who's not who wouldn't have been a movie star at the time he was making a Clockwork Orange, probably messed with his head a little bit. But you had Jack, Jack's a movie star, just let Jack be Jack, and that'll be the poster, and then I can go do whatever I want with these weird shots with helicopters and. The only time I could think about hearing about a male actor being treated that way was when they were filming Saving Private Ryan. Mm. They took all the guys and put them through, I mean, Tom Hanks and everyone, and put them through a boot camp, except Matt Damon. Matt Damon did not have to go to boot camp. And the idea being that they weren't going to be as bonded with him as they were with each other. And they were going to resent him a little. And they were going to resent him a little bit. But Spielberg doesn't have that track record. uh, Because, I mean, by 1980, he's already made all these movies where you know he has just Mm -hmm. manipulated people. And if Spielberg says, you're going to boot camp, I'm like, okay, Mr. Spielberg, I'll go. (laughs) And and you could make a strong argument that boot camp isn't actually abuse. My Uh, little brother is uh, a Marine, and I feel pretty strongly that boot camp is abusive. Okay. But it also would be maybe not formal boot camp, but a boot camp experience for Hollywood actors. Yeah. It's Hollywood boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood this boot week camp. on Hollywood boot camp. <laughs> Actually, I think... Can we copyright that? Well, that they did a, lot like of money. a show like that, didn't they? Where I'm sure they did. They, that celebrities went off and got in shape. That's... I mean, celebrities. Yeah. It was on VH1. Hanks yeah. did not <laughs> <laughs> appear on Celebrity Boot Camp. This is true. It was VH1 um, Celebrity. So, Jack Nicholson acts like, whenever he's acting drunk, he acts like a person who's never been drunk. And you know that dude's been drunk. <laughs> oh, I definitely do. But, like, you know his, he's been sober. His, yeah. his pretending to be drunk is like uh, teenagers at a party pretending... To be See, drunk. It's funny you say that because I actually really liked that scene. I liked how, in the course of one speech, he goes from sober to drunk. He goes from really sober to batshit. Well, buddy, it's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Which scene specifically are you talking about? When the first time he's in the bar and he's talking, talking to Lloyd okay. and he takes his first drink and he puts it down. And then, I mean, you just he slowly gets drunk. Okay, because they're in that scene, so he takes a drink, and then like he suddenly, I thought he was choking. The the look on his face was just this very, like his eyes kind of uh-huh. froze and got wide, and he, I don't know, he just looked like I was like, oh, he looks like he's choking. <laughs> and so I was like, well, why does like what was the purpose of that? Uh-huh. You know, but maybe that was like the transition to drunkenness. It was drunkenness. supposed to be the first time he'd tasted alcohol in five. Okay, months. so or it was kind years. of a okay. I can. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But alcohol doesn't work like that. You don't just take a sip and... I mean, if you do a shot, it yeah. takes like 10 or 15 minutes to kick in. It's yeah. not immediate. Ryan, you haven't drank before. Even for Kubrick, that would be But a it's spooky scotch. scotch. Well, so... Ooh. It's spirits. <laughs> spooky scotch. One question for that scene is if he's actually drinking or not. That's true. Oh, yeah. Because we don't know that, like... There's if no liquor on the premises. Or right. psychological, like, break liquor. I don't know how those work. <laughs> real delusion liquor, liquor. yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was for sure delusion liquor. I mean, there was no liquor on the premises. But whether or not it was so they could conjure a liquor yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they can have that whole party. They can make liquor in the drink they spill on them. They can give blowjobs through masks. So, you know what? They can That's conjure true. some fucking scotch. I feel like that mask was specifically designed for... Fellatio. Like, like, I looked at that mask. I'm just pretty, saying. The snap was pretty long. You can get that in. Let's not unpack. It'd be, it'd be bumping <laughs> uncomfortably. I mean, it would just be. When doesn't it, though? <laughs> <laughs> the mask is actually just fitted with a flashlight. That's, yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's not like Doggy Boy's not even doing anything. He's just sort of assisting. He's just holding his head still, really. <laughs> or maybe not holding his head still. You know, whatever, whatever gets you off. <laughs> uh, I, my last note on this is now she would just Google that shit. Yep. Mm. But then, would you have Wi-Fi at the hotel, uh, cornered off for the winter? You don't have telephone connection. I bet know? they would. I for the caretakers specifically. Well, also it's they a may, high-end yeah. hotel, so they're going to have a good Wi-Fi connection. Yeah, they would have they'd good Wi-Fi. They charge ninety-five a night for it, but whatever. Uh, are they taking? <laughs> Thanks a lot, hotels. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think they would have Wi-Fi. Uh-huh. Um, they've got power. Yeah. So there would almost be no reason why the Wi-Fi would go out. And also, you would think if you had a cell phone on it, you probably still could get yeah data. Eh, you wouldn't have a tower nearby. 
I bet they do. Yeah, I bet you I bet that high-end hotel has a tower. Yeah. The tower could get taken out by the storm. The tower could get taken out. That is true. Yeah. But I I imagine that you would not lose both the tower and Wi-Fi. Unless you were in a horror movie. In which case, absolutely you would. I think more likely you'd lose the phone. If I were to write that, I would just get rid of the phones. They all go in the toilet. Jack goes crazy and hits them with an axe. Yeah. I mean, that's... uh, The Vincent D'Onofrio movie in Don't Go in the Woods... One of the first things one of the character does, one of the main the, the main character does is, I fucking told you not to bring phones. Everybody give them to me. Nobody gets them back until the trip is over. They all give him the phones, and then he smashes them with a rock. In the present, Jack would have a YouTube channel where he shows how he destroyed the, the phones, and and then also just like, okay, guys, I'm uh, gonna go kill my wife now. I've got the axe ready, and uh, we'll just see how this goes. I'm gonna put this over here. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag YOLO. Uh, or hashtag blow. Or hashtag okay. YOLO. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Halloran. Yeah, yes. we need to talk oh, about yeah, Halloran. Who, who won the Paul Winfield Award again. Yes. Um, do we have an award for Magical Negro? Yeah, I mean, because we need one. I believe we have mentioned before that if you're no, going no, to have we, we a magical Negro, we have, but we haven't. It's coming up on our creep, or no? Yeah, it's coming up. No, we we have. Oh, it's Twilight Zone. Theater. Never mind. Yeah, sorry, Zone. I'm getting Twilight Zone and Creep Show mixed up, and that's a sin. So I'm continue. Sure. Nobody died during Creep Show. I believe we I have. <laughs> I believe we have mentioned before that if you're going to hire a magical Negro, it should be Scatman Crothers. I believe that's correct. Uh, so. Yeah, and then I think that this was the Twilight Zone kind episode. Of, uh, this movie had like a buffet of offensive tropes. So there's the yes. Indian burial ground, yeah. there's the magical Negro, and the black guy dies first, who happens yeah. to be the magical Negro. Right. Is mm-hmm. that like a hat trick? <laughs> I believe in hockey, or soccer, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. a hat trick. In the book, we just, we just need a sound effect to go with that. We, it needs to have some kind of radio show. Yeah. Could it be? Could it be like when when you were? There you go. <laughs> when I was a kid, and you listened to like the books on tape, and then it's like ding, turn the page, <laughs> and like the ding. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, in the book, Halloran comes to save them, mm-hmm. and he leaves with them. Well, them being <clears throat> Wendy, and Wendy and Danny. Danny. Yeah. 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 Um, and I just I'm just super frustrated yeah. that we get this character who is likable. I mean, Halloran is yeah. very likable. Yeah. And then he works so hard to get back to Colorado, to get up to the mountain, to help them, and he walks in the hotel and boom, he's dead. Oh, he, he's the, the most directly skilled uh, yeah. character, I think, that's uh, of the main characters. He has the most agency. He figures out how to get back up to the hotel where they are yeah. like, oh, we can't get down from this hotel. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he, he, he gets killed but good. Yeah, you would have hoped that his shining would have given him some forewarning that yeah. Jack was well, coming around that corner with an axe. All the ghosts were super powered by that point by other abilities going yeah. on, so it kind of overshadowed his shining. That's, and, that's, and the that's, hotel has yeah. probably some echoing shining because he's getting signals from all over the place. That's Kenzie's headcanon anyway. You can't distinguish from doggy blowjobs to axe-wielding Jack Nicholson. But to all the skeletons in the lobby that Wendy saw... For purposes of story, why bring him back and immediately axe him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's you need that. Like you could just shot. get well. It, you, get, it gets the snowcat up there that's working that yeah. they can use to escape. His, but there his seems only to purpose. Be, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Just if the snowcat is the main reason to bring this character in, you, can you don't need that character. <laughs> yeah. They just need to figure out how to fix the. I think it was the spark plugs he ripped out. The that's other, what I said. Like she would just Google I that. Mean, no, Tore out like the alternator or something. Something that's going to need a lot more work. That she was comes the carburetor cap. Carburetor cap. There was wire. Wires yeah, out? Okay. yeah. He cut the he cut the ca- wires gotcha. off the carburetor cap. Yeah. The other purpose but to he killed the the one black character. Yes, no, I agree. For the purpose of having the snow cat. Yes. Th- there needs to be a better solution. The other purpose he served was he got Jack away from the bathroom door. Hmm. That, that he is why Jack left, and then she was able to get out of the bathroom, and then she had a lot more room to move. But but again, no. he serves in that last act. Only to die so white people can live. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a, it's it's a tragedy, and I, I it didn't have to happen. I don't think that Kubrick cares much no. for. He doesn't care about anything we've said today. No, no, no. I don't think he cares much for yeah. anybody that's not a white dude. Honestly. Yeah. That's. I think that's fair. I mean, Probably it's like true. I think eyes wide shut. He's just starting to get a little bit more woke. 
maybe. It's pretty late. <laughs> pretty, well, he died. He's like, yeah. and that's my final cut. Death. Better late than never. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, even if you, like, A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Is, like, I, I, like, yeah, there's just, there's no care for any character that isn't a white dude. Right. Their stories are the ones that matter. They're... 2001, there are no uh, females other than on TV screens. Oh, no, no, yeah. there are stewardesses. Or, and then there's the... Never mind. I'm, I'm replaying the movie in my head. I'm <laughs> oh, drawn. Um, but, but they're all... They're all, they're all yes. props. Yeah, props or... Uh, day player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, talking about Halloran... One of my favorite scenes in this film is his explaining what The Shining is to Danny because he does it in such a tender way and a mm-hmm. way where it's not scary and that... And you need Scatman Crothers to do that. You need, Yeah, you totally need there Scatman. There is zero menace to Scatman Crothers. Right. And Except I, for... I was curious why when he used his Shining to talk to Danny, they were playing some scary music over that. And I was like, why are they playing that? Isn't he a good guy? Is he not a good guy? Danny was calling... Scatman Crothers, and the the music was to convey the intensity. No, I'm talking about at the beginning when Scatman Crothers goes, yeah. "Would you like some ice cream, yeah. oh. Danny?" It was like Wah. that was like yeah. some Pennywise shit. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, is that guy?" Like, but I think that's Danny thinking that it's scary, that it's supposed to be that, scary. Uh, also, they're in the hotel. There's yeah, psychic white noise. Yeah, that, that's you have to kind of. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. I get behind. But yeah. I can definitely see that reaction. That there is a spooky noise. Yeah. Surrounding it. Yeah. I do have questions about why does he keep working at this hotel year after year if you can see all these ghosts? And they keep killing people. Like Scatman Crothers. He gets the winners off. Unquestionably. <laughs> he knows what's going on. That he gets the winners off to go down to Florida. I saw those yeah. pictures in his bedroom. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> to no, live like, in his weird palace of pornography. <laughs> like, along with what Ryan is saying, why does he continue to work there? But more important than that... Why does he essentially say nothing to anybody about, hey guys, I really don't think you should have your kid here. Yeah. Or like if Or maybe he's done maybe he did that with the Grady's and they were like, Oh Dick, shut up. Go go down to Florida. And he's like, Okay, I tried. <laughs> Fine, but bitches, the Grady's, I'm out. presumably the Grady's didn't have kids with his shining. True. Yeah. True. It seems like you would True. if you are a psychic and you meet a psychic kid and you are in a place that is like upsetting Two psychics. Why would you just walk the fuck away? Maybe he thought Danny, being a psychic, would be better prepared. Danny is five. He is not I better know, prepared know, for I fucking know, anything. No, I, I agree. Like, like there's, I don't. <coughs> if you think a five year old is going to be better prepared for anything, fuck you. He, he turned that hedge maze around on Dad pretty quick. What, what were you going to say? The so how fucked up is it though that if the kid has the shining and is a boy child. Scatman Crothers coming to the rescue. Those little girls, he just does not care. Yeah. Did he come up last winter too? Okay, so <laughs> Yeah, that's <yeah>. true. <laughs> here's here's because the thing. I think that's Kubrick, Kubrick doesn't again. care about women. It's yeah. not just it's not just Kubrick. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm sorry, Donna. Stephen King in this era of his writing did not care you're, about women. Yeah. I just I won't agree that he didn't care. I will agree that he was not great. He was not great. Yeah. I read Pet Cemetery mm-hmm. earlier this year and then I read The Shining and um the way that he that King wrote about Ellie was awful. Every fucking scene where Dr. Creed is interacting with his daughter, he is fucking done before it starts. Like, when, in the opening scene, the opening scene when they get to the house, and, like, they're playing, and Ellie gets, and Ellie falls. Ellie falls and scrapes her knee, and she's crying. Like, Dr. Creed is like, fuck this kid, fuck her, why is she crying? She's such a goddamn drama queen. I am so tired of her. And then Gage gets stung by the bee, and he's just like, is my wonderful, beautiful son okay? We need to make sure that this boy child is all right and will be fine. And he, like, can't wait for Gage to grow up and be wonderful so they can bond. And, like, he's just like, fuck Ellie. Who the fuck is Ellie? I don't know. I guess I have a daughter. (laughs) Carrie, Carrie well. has some serious issues. Yeah. And any insight in Carrie as to a, a woman's perspective and, and any agency comes from his wife. I mean, if you read on writing, yeah. he, he was like, I don't know what this is. And she's like, well, I can help you out with that. 
Mm-hmm. So. I think he also falls into like just like the bad male writer things. Like women are walking and thinking about how big their breasts are and how like <laughs> I'm bouncing right now. Yeah, and in, in, in it, he literally has a yeah. part where somebody's like, the bruise on her cheek made me realize how beautiful she really was. And like Whoa. at that point, I was almost like, I am done with this book. Fuck you, King. Read by Stephen Weber. Was it really? Yeah. Yes, it was. Oh, it's on, the, on the audiobook. Yeah, it was. But yeah, so like. At particularly at this point, King was not kind to his female characters. So I think that just he got killing, better. Yeah, ish. Um, better. I think not good. Story, I'm better. I don't think. I. I here's well. the problem: is I, I read The Stand and I read Pet Cemetery. Yeah. I've read It and The Shining now, and I and Eyes of the Dragon. Eyes of the Dragon is amazing. There's no female characters. Um, but everything else I read that had female characters, I was kind of like, oh, okay. And I haven't read any of his new stuff. You should read his new stuff. Yeah. Uh, I read Gingerbread Girl. 112263 is good. From what yeah. I've read of Dr. Sleep, he's gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Dr. Sleep? Dr. Sleep's not a good book, though. Oh, I've gone through all of it. But I'm saying I like his, Dr. Sleep. Do you? I did. Uh, his it's perspective right. on women is a little bit better in it. Yeah, yeah. I think throughout his career, I think Lizzie's story in Misery, he does good jobs yes, representing women in yeah. not like, like overtly well. sexualized ways. I haven't read mm-hmm. that one. Um, the one the one thing I'll say in response to that I don't disagree. It's just that the books that you listed were all seventies and eighties. It's books. true, but it was it's still. A, at that time, he didn't care about women. I think that's a, yeah. A, a fair and now I will say, like I love at that time, media didn't care about that's women. That's true. Joe Hill, who is his son, right. I love his stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, he wrote Horns. Horns was the first one I read, mm-hmm. and like I love it because the whole story is basically like, hey, if either one of you two fuckers had seen this woman as a person instead of an object to be put on a pedestal, none of this would have fucking happened. Horns is fantastic. No, <sighs> the book, the movie's fucking weird. Yeah, the movie's weird, but the I book is fantastic. Uh, NOS four two is great. Uh, his short storybook is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Basically, if Joe Hill is writing something. I've I'm reading. I feel like Joe Hill like took everything that his father knew and did better. I described like Joe... he started from a better place. Uh, better place socially. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I describe Joe Joe Hill's style as it's it's it is definitely his father, but with a lot more heart. Okay. See, I and Adrian is aware of this. I read a uh, a novella the two of them wrote together called In the Tall Grass, and it fucking traumatized me. And since King has never traumatized me in that way, I have to assume that it was Joe Hill. And I just don't know if I can read it. I have not read In the Tall Grass. I've just I've read both of them separate, not together. Um, read Horns. Horns is really good. I'm scared. Um, no, <laughs> there's it, read read Horns. Okay. Um, Heart shaped box is is lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lock and Key is fantastic. It's that's one of my favorite comic series, start to finish. Okay, Colin King's pretty great too. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's Owen, like there. hello. I'm pretty great too. <laughs> I haven't read Owen King, which is why he doesn't. Well, he, his new book Sleeping Beauty with Stephen King was horror, but his stuff before that was more comedy. See, that's he, why I haven't read. He him. nails it. He's funny. Okay. He does his own thing. He's good at it. All right, good for you, Owen. Um, so I'm in the hotel. There's pictures everywhere constantly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I really like. They fade into the background, and you... Including the Minotaur, (laughs) which was honestly the the one theory in Room 237 that wasn't, like, overtly stupid. But it wasn't also saying, like, this is what the whole movie's about. Yeah. It's an element of... The movie is definitely a labyrinth. It's just a little And to identify Jack as the Minotaur seemed like pretty good film criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're right. That's what drew you back in. (laughs) Nothing drew me back in, but... (laughs) That seemed like just good analysis. So, the thing, so these pictures, they just fade into the background, and you get to where you don't even notice they're there anymore. Uh-huh. And, to, and then all of a sudden, they, at the very end, when they zoom in, when they zoom in, they zoom in, and there's, and there's Jack in a picture dated 1921. July 4th. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that you're suddenly reminded that those pictures are everywhere. And the main good effect that that has on me is you don't forget that. That last scene is very impactful. So the next time you watch it, you are constantly aware of those pictures. Yeah. Every time mm-hmm. you see a picture, you see them. And if you get, if the if the camera stands still long enough... Or if you pause and you have HD. You're trying to figure out what's in the picture. 
And so I think that's a, a very effective thing and, that and, Kubrick did. And, and more effectively with Kubrick, the kind of film stock he used, even in HD, you really can't make out those pictures yeah. if yeah. they're not in sharp focus. Yeah. So you're watching it that second time, and you're like, what is that picture? What is that picture? Yeah. Kubrick is off in the great beyond going, <laughs> trying to unpack my movie. <laughs> Fools. So, so the first time I watched this movie, <clears throat> I took that picture to mean that... He was Jack, always the caretaker. That Jack had been absorbed at that point yeah. into the house. Right. And That's so, one way to read it. And not knowing, yeah. you know, having a, zero other background... Yeah. Uh, you know, now I know he was always the caretaker, um, but uh, you know, I was just, that's how I took it the first time, mm-hmm. uh, and then I've heard you know everybody. That's just something everybody goes on about is what did it mean? What did it mean? I always call that picture, and since <clears throat> I was twelve years old, which was the first time I saw The Shining with my good good friend Marquita at the time. Probably the first time I saw it too. Yeah, yeah we we watched it. I, I to this day, this is how I take that final shot with a picture. That's Kubrick just going fuck you all. Yeah. I'm just I'm fucking with all of you. What does it mean? Doesn't fucking matter. You just saw the movie. Yeah, that's that is. <laughs> That is what I always take away from it. I'm not. I'm just like. It's the, the still photography version of no refunds, assholes. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's literally that kid in a Christmas story where he's like, it's a crummy commercial. That's that is me with that ending. <laughs> yeah. Just see that. <laughs> I, I I had an off. I I think the first time I saw it, I, I, I see the picture and I'm like, what? And that lasted for a good five years. <laughs> <laughs> You're just walking around going. Ah. Um, I guess the last thought I have is to me it's very significant that Jack did not die in the hotel. He died in the Hesmaid and she didn't die in the hotel. Let me say that again with actual enunciation. He died in the Hedgemage. He didn't die. Fuck <laughs> me. He died in the Hedgemaze. Hedge not? Not in the hotel. But that's all part of it, though. Do you think it was the cold or the head injury that actually killed him? It had to be the head injury because Danny... Who is smaller and not as well dressed is not freezing to death. But then they also he's cut cold. to him later on. He's frozen through, so there's that immediate reaction that oh, he froze to death. I think. But he got. I think lost. he froze after. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't know how much time has passed That's between because it's daylight by the time we the get time that next shot. Yeah, I think he, he was in the hotel in 1921. I think he couldn't get out of the maze. And right. He froze to well, death because, because of it. Danny had figured out the maze and looped back around and got his dad confused. Danny kills his father. Edible. <laughs> I think they did a nice job establishing that Danny and Wendy had spent a lot of time yeah. in the maze, yeah. and, I, and I think Danny knew his way around it. And so, yeah, I think I think Jack died because he couldn't get out of the maze. Yeah. Can we end the book this real quick? Sure. In the there's book, no hedge maze. there's no hedge maze. Yeah, there's, there's hedge topiaries. Yeah. yeah, there's hedge animals that change and get closer. And, and in the oh, maze series, dude, they I are awful chill. CGI creatures. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not good. That is infinitely more creepy to me, though. Oh, I, yeah. I got a chill just when you said dude, that. Dude, okay, like, <laughs> one of the scariest scenes in a movie I've ever seen, I can't remember what the movie was. I want to say it was like Nature's Prey or something. Like, it was some eco horror movie. <clears throat> and it's, it takes place in Australia because, of course, it does. <laughs> and uh, these people are like camping and there's a beach pretty close by and there's like this dead baby manatee and every day that they wake up it's just a little bit closer to their tent and this fucking gives me chills because there's no drag marks there's nothing it's just this dead fucking thing that is just closer to them every day so what happens uh, I don't remember. <laughs> it's not a good movie. Like, that is really the highlight of, like, that was the thing that carried me through, and I got to the end, and I was like, eh? Um, but I, like, I agree with you on that, because it's like, these things just moving. Like, these, these things doing something that they should not be doing feels yeah. a lot scary to me. But I think it would be difficult to convey in film. Oh, sure, yeah. Because there are already so many things about this movie that don't add up spatially-wise that are so easily missed. Like, I don't think I really noticed that that window can't be there until I was in, like, my 20s. And I have watched this movie a fucking lot. Mm -hmm. Also, I think Kubrick had a sense that he probably couldn't create uh, topiary animals that yeah. would move in any kind yeah. of convincing way in 1980. They couldn't do it in 1997 in any convincing way. Yeah. 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 Um, the other thing that struck me about the ending, the Overlook survives. Mm-hmm. Not in the yeah. book. 
No. Mm-hmm. The book is well destroyed in the miniseries. They destroy the Overlook, but then it cuts to, and they flash forward to them rebuilding the hotel, which I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so yeah, I, I way liked the, you know. The, the hotel's still yeah, there. It's, it's like, still it's going to open up next yeah. season. We're yeah. going to still need an, another caretaker next okay, year, exactly. so. When, Send in your resumes. I <laughs> wanted. Here's the question I have, though. So we we know the story of Grady. Yeah. And now we know the story of Jack. Yeah. And the, the everybody else was fine. Yeah, everyone else was fine. So why only them? Um, in the case of Jack, it's either because Jack is fucking nuts, or because Danning's shining gives more strength to the supernatural aspect of the hotel. Grady was actually supposed to be ten years ago. Grady was not yeah. last year. Grady was ten years ago. Okay. Um, <clears throat> completely unreliable assholes, to borrow a phrase from Halloran. Oh, you know, I have a, have well, a problem with it. Never mind. Never mind. My theory, I immediately shut it down. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yes. But, hey, ten, ten years ago, they were shut, shut down. You can because still present it. <laughs> having it be last year, because that was my thing, is it was just like, we had Grady, and then we had Jack, and, 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 and at that point, like, it's like too much at once. Yeah. It's like when you start yeah. watching a TV show, and all of it, and like... You're presented with the idea that these people had normal lives, and now that the TV show has started, their lives are off the rails, and you're like, well, what the fuck happened? My thought initially was that it was some kind of reincarnation with Jack, like, whatever Jack happens, is Grady. He is reincarnated and brought back to the hotel. And the he photo is, is not, not really Jack. Just his But essence. a previous life. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like, what shut that theory down was that... Delbert Grady was only 10 years ago, Jack would have already been alive at that point, so he couldn't be a reincarnation of yeah. Delbert unless there's multiple... I don't know. I don't know. Unless you get into a possession According angle. to some mm. spiritual theories, we are everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm. We are... We Everyone is one person, and we are reincarnated. We are the Overlook. We are the Overlook. We are reincarnated. Everyone in this room is the same person at different points in their spiritual yeah. journey. That sucks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I will say... Oh, go ahead, Ryan. One thing to consider between the difference between the book and the movie's ending is that in the book, the hotel is unquestionably what's making Jack yeah. evil. Yes. It just amped up by Danny. I mean, Jack's got problems, but he's not like, kill your family with an axe evil until the hotel gets... Or croquet mail in the book. But in the movie, there's a lot of psychological stuff going on, and Jack is already crazy. So the hotel not blowing up is also he's not dragging you crazy. Th- he's crazier much earlier than we think. That's, yeah. that's the well, statement I'll co-sign. I would, I would still argue that he's not good in the book. He broke... Yeah, right. Like, they toned it down in the movie. He broke his kid's arm in two places in the book. The book is way too forgiving of Jack. And he yeah. also physically assaulted a student. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like... You've loaded this into what? the first chapter, and I'm not going to, like... I had a friend who read the... Chronicles of Elric, the non-believer? The albino... Uh, no, the leper... The, the, this dude had leprosy and a white gold ring, and he got transferred oh, to a magic... Thomas, Thomas Covenant, the unbeliever. Yeah. Thomas Covenant, the unbeliever. And my friend loved these books, and he was like, you gotta read them. And so, like, I'm like, okay, I know this dude has leprosy, he has some ring that people think are magic, let's read this book. And, like, the first chapter, he gets transported to this other world and rapes this incredibly likable character. And I'm like, I'm done with this book. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, it gets better. I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to empathize with him. It, I don't want to read books right. about his journey. It, it's it's even worse because you could have a character in there that's just awful and there's an awful character. But the book is so insistent on, oh, he was drinking. Yes. That that's, that's the, the only thing. Th- yeah, I mean, yes, alcoholism is an issue and it can affect behavior, but ultimately, if you have any sort of behavioral viewpoint on human activity, He's still being. A, he's done awful things. Yeah, he has. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna continue to insist that he wants to be better. If he wants to be better, like, even if he wanted to be better. better, he could make some fucking decisions. Okay, but he he wants to be. Not, want, I'm, he, I'm gonna. Right. I'm gonna. St- oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm planting my flag. He wants to be a better person, which is he fails miserably at it. He does. He fails yes. absolutely. But that's what makes the book a tragedy, as opposed to the movie, which is just inevitable. It's not a tragedy. Well, in the book, you can you can make the argument that because yes, he does want to be better, and he's trying his damnedest. You know, getting this job, 
Well, I'm just... You and I are together on this, and that doesn't happen No. Well, okay. Well, all right. All right, here you go. He's trying. I'll do air quotes here for... He thinks he's trying. He thinks he's trying. There we go. But it's one of those, with going with Donna's tragedy angle, is that regardless of what he does, it's still... This is still going to happen. I I just... I. I have no, I, I'm just going to say, I have no horse in this race on, <laughs> when it comes to Jack. I'm just, I'm picking different points. If it, if it had been a normal hotel, Jack was still going to try to kill them with an axe. In the yeah. movie? In the movie. Yeah. In the book, the, the hotel, it's only the hotel that wants to kill them, and they go they <clears> act <throat> through Jack, and Jack's not doing it. That's not your daddy anymore. That's the hotel talking. Well, <laughs> the, the, the book has, um, the, the hotel wants Danny. And right. he's using Jack to get Danny. Yes, that's right. In the movie, if the hotel is in fact supernatural, the hotel wants Jack. And Danny mm-hmm. and Wendy are just in the way. And that's an important difference to me. That's an important change. It's absolutely an important difference. I think the movie's conception of it works, of that particular element, works for me better because the book, I feel like it's King insist, King apolog- apologizing maybe too strong a word, King making excuses for his own behavior. Yeah. As he struggled mm-hmm. with alcoholism, and that's, and I think feel like that's where uh, King so despises the movie version because the movie's like, nah, See, Jack, yeah, Jack's awful. I, 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 I'm about to go to a really dark place here. You guys ready? We're ready. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I have a person that I know who is going through a lot, like is getting out of an abusive relationship right now, and one of her children is having a very difficult time with this. He has so, like, one day we were there and he said, and by the way, this kid is four. He said, uh, my daddy has demons in his head. It's 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 not my daddy. And then at one point he thought that he had killed his father mm. because, uh, because he had talked about what was happening and now his dad's not around anymore. And like, and so I think a lot of this and a lot of my interpretation of the book is based on this because I'm like, no, fuck Jack. Like, fuck him because it doesn't matter how much he wants to be a good person. He's not actually doing any of the required things to get there. Like, and in, specifically in the book, he does one good thing at the end. He sacrifices himself to save Wendy and uh, yeah. Danny and Halloran. But that does not... It doesn't absolve it, it, anything. It's it's the Darth Vader model of moral decision making. Yeah. You've been a complete shit most of your life, but that one thing right at the end is supposed to erase the whole thing. I don't know. No. Yeah, no, it's it's not. It it doesn't. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> like it's he's not. I, he's not forgiven. He's not a good person. He is a piece of shit, and he may want to be a good person, but like it doesn't matter how much you want something if you are not doing. A fucking thing to get there. Like, he is And you the... can't have the deathbed conversion. Exactly. He yeah. is the bare minimum. He may... He quit drinking. And then started Which again. is... And, yeah, he, and then started again. After like, the hotel yes. was after him. You, I'm, I'm just... It's not one decision, though. Right. Like, you don't make one decision that makes you a bad person. You make a series of decisions mm-hmm. that land you there. They didn't, they didn't act through Wendy in the book. Yeah. Because there wouldn't have been no, he was, a he lot was of the menace weak link. in there. Yeah. He yeah. was the weak link. He was the one they could get to because he had these flaws. And I'm not saying he's not flawed. He's deeply flawed. I am saying that he is trying. Not he's that not, hard. He's not trying hard enough to make you happy. I'll give you that. He, but he's trying. I, I'm, I'm, I will give you things. Give this. me this. I, I, okay. I give you that he's flawed. I give you that he's not good enough for you, but give it to me that he's trying. I, I, give, I, I give you that he has the ambition to be better. He does nothing with it in a typical male sort of makeup. Yes. In the sense that, oh, just that I want to be good should be enough that I am good. That is it exactly. That and, is it exactly. And, and he does it right at the end. And that doesn't absolve, not, like, okay, I will meet you halfway in that some of his behavior in the hotel is purely the hotel. I don't like that, but that is definitely in the text of the book. Yeah. But he was, he was awful prior to the hotel ever being brought up. That's the thing, is like, like uh, that, that is yeah. what I always come back to, is if they had taken out even just one of those instances, yeah. then I might have been more like, yeah, he's trying. But he physically assaulted a student 
and he broke his child's arm in two places and repeated and here's the big thing repeatedly underplays it underplays it and none of that was his fault there yeah. was always some extenuating circumstance that he that, never that ever takes responsibility mitigated for or it. absolved him that's the thing right there is if at any point he'd been like i fucked up I did right. that. I need yes, to be better. I need to be better. But he doesn't. Yeah, he, says, he spins the whole if he time. Had, if he hadn't been cutting my tires, I wouldn't have done anything to the kid. And, or if he hadn't been messing with my papers, I wouldn't have done anything to... Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's all somebody else's fault. And that's my big issue with him, is that he never takes responsibility. Until can, the very, very end. Yeah. If it helps at all, Donna, I can give you exactly what you are saying. And at the same time, I can give you guys exactly what you're saying. Oh, pick a side. This, we're at this war. Is, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is... No, we're not at war, because I'm yes. not going to say... Yeah. It, it, right. The only thing my saying something else yeah. will accomplish is the same points being reiterated again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we can move on. Yeah. yeah. We can just move on. The Shining is a Rorschach <laughs> test in both the book and film. You can take from it what you want. Okay. Or need. Uh, yes. Are we, do you have anything else? You can check out any time you want. Wendy threw but down her weapon. you can never leave. Yeah, yeah. I, I have problems with Wendy throwing down her weapon. Um... I feel like you could have ended that sentence early. I have problems with Wendy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Yeah. But then again, I Her also... clothing, her behavior, the direction of her, it, yeah. yeah, on and on. The only problem I don't have with Wendy is Shelley Duvall. Yeah. She's fine. She's fine. I really we hope she's well. Yeah. I really loved her uh, fairy tale theater that she hosted Yeah, when we were children. <laughs> it was always lovely. She was at, at, on the level of Patrick Stewart to Professor X, she was born to play olive oil. Oh, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely, definitely. For, for sure. Okay, um, I think we might be at the end. All right. Any, ha- yeah, Ryan, you had like a whole bunch, buddy. Anything else? No, I, I take a lot of notes, but it's not all things to say. So I'm just, <laughs> okay. just talking to myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, is that, or is that most of 237's reaction to? I didn't write anything down Okay. <laughs> as soon as I turned it on and I saw what it was, was, it was just like... Position. I can't handle this. If I take notes and try to take this seriously, I'll die. I'll just, an this is where I die. My soul, soul will die. Uh, Something would break. Like I said, the the, the, the group conversation. The, the, most stuff, re- the most ridiculous thing on 237 is the, the, when they unpack the interview scene and Ullman coming around and he stands at the particular angle of the desk and it's supposed to be his dick. <laughs> oh my god. That's that's what I, what I, checked yeah. I was like, no. Like, he, he walks around and, he, and, he, and he's up against the desk shaking Jack's hand but his inbox is right where his dick should be and they say, well, that's a hard-on. And I'm like, I'll give you the purple penis carpet but <laughs> mailbox erections are too much. Actually, I'm willing to go as far enough <clears throat> as the mailbox erection. That seemed like the really? kind of thing... That Kubrick would sneak in, but I didn't assign any meaning to it. It was a short visual joke, like the penis like, in the background of Little Mermaid castles, you right. know? Like, if it's not on, put pur- a penis it's on purpose, yeah. but not like. Kubrick's just back there going, hee hee hee. Wait till they see my carpet. I'm he has an erection, go. thus he's the devil in the Holocaust. <laughs> those bags were superimposed over those tourists. But it's all like the Holocaust. Holocaust. You mentioning Ullman, I actually do have one other thing I I mean to say, which is the opening line of the book is Jack Torrance thought, oh, fishish little prick. Um, Which, as a total side comment, I actually remember that as being just starting with, oh, fishish little prick. But it doesn't. It's Jack Torrance thought, officious little prick. And so the first note I wrote down on my on my notes is, that's not an officious little prick. Uh, it's a guy sitting next to him that nobody talks to that could be a ghost, according yeah. to Room 237. <laughs> so it's just it's just a, a, another weird change that I don't understand why you made that change. Does Stuart Ullman have to be an officious little prick? No, but to me it's such a defining moment of the book that turning him into this kind of likable, charismatic guy... Um, is just an odd, weird change. Weird other note with Ullman, uh, the actor who plays him, Barry Nelson, first actor to ever play James Bond. Hmm. Uh, Fleming sold the rights to Casino Royale, and they did a live broadcast of it for a show called, like, Mystery! Exclamation mark in the early, early 60s before the Connery movies came out. And he played American agent Jimmy Bond, (laughs) <laughs> uh, of the combined service in Casino Royale! Exclamation point. There you go. That's awesome. It was called Climax, actually. Climax! Exclamation point. That was the name of the television series. Climax? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> television series. Climax! 
Donna, your face. I think I would prefer this kind of adaptation than a totally religious to the book adaptation. I do too, because I, I saw that and then not so much. I prefer well, I think the book that a lot to of... the movie, but I think that having a movie that's just the book again isn't really helpful. I think Annihilation is another good example where the book is good, the movie is good. They're not the same, but like Watchmen. The magicians. Hmm. Yeah. Watchmen is a transcription. It's not an adaptation. And, and it's, it's also, it drops the frame. Other, other, and the frame yeah. story in Watchmen is a yeah. huge... Without the frame, it's nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I prefer to see reinterpretations yeah. than the same thing. Uh, because I already read that. Yeah. I don't need to see it. Um, yeah. See, and I'm okay with adaptations because I want to see if what I imagined in my brain, how it coincides with what's on screen. See, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the magicians again. Um, there was a scene in the book in the magicians where I was like, oh my God, that was amazing. And then whenever there was going to be a TV show, I was like, I cannot wait to see that scene. I am so excited to see that scene. And then it was there in the TV show and I was like... Oh. All right. That's what they did with that. <laughs> and I was just really bummed out because like it gave me chills in the book and in the movie or in the TV show I was just like, oh. Okay. Meh. Well, maybe it'll get better from here. And it did. <laughs> it really really did. But um yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I don't know why I said but How how were we on time? I don't know. It's 10 to 11. And we, I got two, 13. You're probably going like two and a half hours. Shit. So yeah, it's a two-part episode. Okay, so uh, we actually we actually do need to wrap it up. Okay, quick, so. Though, so. Yeah. All right. I could, yeah, I have to go get ready for work. All right, so then let's uh, let's get to uh, Mac, you've got our quote. Quote. Uh, which one do we decide on? Holy shit. It's been a uh, fucking year since we had that conversation. Uh, you've always been the caretaker, so. Yes. All right. Because in our chat, we, we can have the ability to have different monikers. Uh, you two don't do it. No. They're just yeah. Debs and Kens. Debs and Kens. Oh, I was curious because it doesn't show me what my moniker is. Yeah. You can or... change it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you can give it your own. You can also yeah. change other people's. Right. Yeah. Like I changed. I, I made Donna's. Donna's is uh, Fearless Leader, basically Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> Yours is Slayer of Pazuzu. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. I had no idea what mine was. You were yeah. really sick one time and you... Oh, that's... No. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. my daughter was sick. She was oh, okay. projectile vomiting. And mine oh. is... It has always been the caretaker. Yeah. 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 Or was always the was caretaker. Was always the caretaker. And you guys are just dubs and kins. Yeah. If either... If any of y'all want to change mine, I'm fine with it. Michael Keaton's girlfriend. <laughs> okay, man. I gotta say something here. I got a lot of not-so-secret boyfriends. You <laughs> just... The one I'm most interested in is Michael Keaton. That's my journey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the other boyfriends. I'm just saying, but Mac, I, I get tickled that that's the one you have latched onto. It's like, that's like... Have you met me? <laughs> I'm just saying, Mac, that's early Kins. That's like, uh, that's 11-year-old Kinsey's first not-so-secret boyfriend. I, I, I okay. I, there's, been, there, there's been quite a few. Okay. okay. All right, rule. Uh, I think you also had a yes. rule. Yes, um, don't uh, go rescuing white people who voluntarily checked into the hotel for the winter. Yeah. I have a backup rule. Mm-hmm. Don't marry Jack Nicholson. I have one other... Don't marry characters played by Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I have one other not serious suggestion about the rule. Maybe don't look at somebody's writing before they've had a chance to give it a polish. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the writers yeah. are not... <laughs> like, like, hey, they'll let you know when it's ready. <laughs> All right. And then, Adrian, I think it was either you or... Who had our poll? Oh, was that me? My poll. Oh, the poll was, would you marry? No, you had the poll. Yeah. Because my my, 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 my suggested poll was, would you, would you marry him? Right. (laughs) No, Mac got the hat trick this time. Oh, yeah, Mac did. Um, uh, The poll is, just how early in the movie has Jack Nicholson gone crazy? King famously says, from frame one, Nicholson is crazy. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he's relatively stable in... The interview. I think the interview. I think after the interview, once they they're touring that hotel, I think the, the that's after he goes back and brings them. In. Yeah, yeah. I think the the hotel then once it's like, oh, what you bringing here, Jack? And that's right. when it gets its hooks in him. He's creepy AF in the interview. I don't he's, think so. 
He's I really don't. But not necessarily danger. I think the moment yeah. when he starts talking about the Donner Party, the way his yes. eyebrows go, and how happy he is when he's, to yeah. recount that story about cannibalism. That's to his five-year-old. To his five-year-old. That's what made me think, yeah, that's what's going to happen to you two. Yeah, like, oh, you want to ever learn about the Donner Party? <laughs> they just killed each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, okay, first off, Shelly Duvall... Wendy, why are you bringing up the Donner Party in front of your five-year-old? Right. I fucking know better than that. Um, yeah, I... I think there's an argument that he's not necessarily... Like, assuming that he didn't mean to kill them from the get-go. That he's not crazy in the car. I think it's actually a little further along. I would say probably the, the long shot of him kind of staring for no good reason. That, I think, is inarguably, he's crazy... He's staring at them. Yeah, absolutely. He's staring at them, right? That's when they're outside yeah. playing in this. He's... Or he's staring at the model of the hedge maze, and he's hallucinating that he sees them walking in there. That's yeah, the yeah. They're yeah. Still doing a weird yeah. thing at the night. What I was seeing was was that he was doing the shining thing, mm, like because that's how they explain Danny's thing. Like he goes yeah. into this state mm-hmm. you know, where he it's like he doesn't Could see be. anything and that's basically what I thought they were portraying was happening to Jack was I was just imagining like the hotel at that time feeding shit into his brain. So you think he's got the shining too but maybe it's not as powerful as Danny's or, or he's or used drugs and alcohol thing. to self-medicate it away? And from what I've read of uh, or heard about uh, Dr. Sleep that would tend to follow with the book because he has a uh, Danny has a half sibling that also has the shining so mm-hmm. it's coming from the Torrance genetics hmm. in there. And Danny does self-medicate in Dr. Sleep. He does yeah. indeed. Um, so, so it's, it's I, not a far, it's not, yeah. it's, it's not a far stretch. I, I, because even some of the scenes of him typing, like I said, it doesn't quite match up to all work and no play. That's all that you see in there. I think he was actually trying to write, at least at some point, in the hotel. But I think once you get, like, it's like Tuesday and then he's just staring out, off into the distance that that is there's no argument past that point but many people have different opinions about how far back it goes i think that in order to am- for me to answer this question i need to know what exactly you mean by crazy because i think uh, prior to getting here he has lost his job do they say why he lost his job in the movie no. um ho- homicidal i'll revise to homicidal and delusional okay um, he's at least unstable at the beginning. And he's then, at least unstable. Sure. He's like I said. He's already, according to the movie, dislocated Danny's arm. Yeah. Which is a downgrade from breaking it in two places in the book. And we don't know why he lost his job unless we've read the book and we know that he physically assaulted the student. There's even an implication that he just stopped teaching. He did, there was no firing. He just I'm not teaching anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's what he says, but that's also what he said in the yeah. book. I think where he was like, oh nothing. I just want to rewrite it now. Ho ho ho. Um. But I think that he was fucking done being a husband and a father before they ever got there. Mm. I think that he would have... I, I honestly think that when he took this job, he was hoping that Wendy would be like, I'm not going. I'm not going. Right. And I'm not, you're not taking Danny. Yeah. Um. I get the sense, because it's not necessarily the case in the book, but I get the sense in the movie that they got married because she got pregnant. Ye- Possibly. Yeah. Um, that he feels trapped. Yeah, I think in he the, definitely... In the from the get-go. Yeah, I think he feels trapped, and that's why every time she comes in to try to... Yeah. Like, she's trying to connect with him. She's trying to be nice and make this work, and every time she does, he's reacting with anger. Mm, yeah. Like, he's just like, I don't want you to fucking make this work. I want you to leave. <laughs> I will make you leave if I have to. I felt like with their dynamic, though, he could have just told her at the beginning, no, y'all are staying here. Okay. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but then you get into the argument of does that, is that his little bit of the shining kicking in and making him want to bring... Wendy and Danny to the hotel to feed to the hotel, basically. You know. I also think that it's, like, he could have said that, but I don't think he wants her to stay. I think he wants her to leave. Like, he doesn't want her to stay home. 
He wants her to fucking leave. He wants Wendy and Danny gone. He wants to be a free man to do what he wants to do. They are stopping that. It's not a matter of, I don't want you to come with me. It's, I don't want you to come with me here or anywhere ever again. So telling her to stay doesn't make that happen. Right, because he has to go back at some point. Yeah. So, so to the question, my vote is title Tuesday, staring off into the distance. There's no argument past that point. I could see it in the car when talking about the Donner Party, but I just don't think he was nuts in the interview. Like, homicidal and He delusional. was like Willie Loman in the interview. Yeah. He was like over-eager. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't think he was homicidal in the Which interview. Which King would say he was. That was his big complaint, is that as played by Nicholson, he's crazy... From the word go, I think I, I think that people like Willie Loman. Sure, there may be some like, like yeah. trigger that. Yeah. Um, he made me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I but it was it was uncomfortable, and I oh, I don't want to yeah. have coffee with you. Okay, I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying by the tour. I'm talking about once Wendy and Danny are there. I when, agree. Okay, that's what I'm talking yes. about when I say tour. Not well, when, not during the interview. When you said it, you connected the interview and that. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. That, that's that's, that's, that's that was, why I was, yeah. yeah that's there's a, a big chunk in the middle there. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. That was a, a misspeak on mine. It's when they're there at the hotel and it's it's the entire family getting the tour. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere between the frames Yeah. when he... Gets confirmation that they are coming. Yeah, could yeah. be when when he knows for sure that Wendy and Danny are going to be accompanying him there, and he will not be alone. The other triangle in our Illuminati structure needs to answer the poll question too. This this triangle here. I oh. answered. You did. I said the Donner Party. You said the Donner Party. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of agree. Yeah. I do think he was crazy at the beginning, but if you're redefining crazy as homicidal, um, I think. Once they were alone in the hotel was when he mm. okay. flipped. Yeah. All right. And what did you say, my Demi? Um, Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Anything else, gang? Thank you, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate your support. You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Beyond Cabin. We're on Instagram, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. We have a Facebook page, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Of course, we have a webpage that's going to link back to all of our previous episodes, which is beyondthecabinintheWoods.com. You keep hearing us talk about the video. We do have a Patreon, which is Beyond the Cabin. You can kind of see... how the sauce is made, so to speak. On also, come. what we look at look uh, like at eight o'clock in the morning. That too. <laughs> that too. Because let me tell you, I slept in this shirt. <laughs> I put on pants and socks and shoes and walked over. That works. Uh, we also have a couple of sister and a brother podcasts, which we have Collective Snark. We have Once More with Feeling the Twentieth Anniversary Buffyverse Rewatch, and then the Family Business, which is a Supernatural Rewatch. And we all are part of the Gummy Cat Network, so also give them, uh, check them out. Also, we really do need reviews. We like to hear your feedback, so if you like what we're talking about, leave us a review at iTunes and Google Play. Or if you have a movie you want us to do. Or if you have a movie you want yeah, us to do. Yeah, tell us about it. All right. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, we have not. Thanks, everybody. And don't read the Latin. Give me the bad Donna. Red rum! Red rum! You know what? Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people.